This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, on the phone lines with me right now, I have Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hi, Daniel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the number one radio automotive show in the world. And of course, over there in the studio, it is Ali Johan. Hi, Ali. Welcome back. Now, a bit of a different show lined up for you today. Um, We've got some stuff that Daniel has done, stuff that he saw at the Time Motor Expo, of course, and then we've got more stuff that he saw at the Time Motor Expo, and then we've got a discussion about how Gemini batteries are doubling driving range in the BMW IA. So Daniel spent the whole week in Bangkok just looking at cars at the expo. Daniel, what's this Thai Motor Expo thing? First of all, in Thailand, you have two major shows. In Malaysia, you have something like 20, you know? So everybody and anybody gets into this motor show thing because it's a a money-making scheme and you see the same vehicles over and over and over. Well, in Thailand, they have two major shows. One is an international motor show, which is one of the biggest in Southeast Asia, not Asia because China has taken over that. Uh, Then you got the Thai Motor Expo. Thai Motor Expo is more of a sales-driven show. That means you have the banks there, you have salespeople there, you have basically every car brand is a whole bunch of people ready to sell you a car, sign up your finance, get your insurance going, uh, delivery dates, everything else. They're ready to actually, it's like, a, it's like a mobile showroom. Right. Now, over the years, media, we don't get invited to the Time Motor Expo because why? It's a sales-driven show. But I decided to go to have a look at the show because the last three years I did not go and I used to go on my own. And the last three years when I did not go, later on I started seeing the coverage coming from Thailand they have a vibrant car market and they have so many cars that we don't get in Malaysia yet, you know? Mm. On top of that, the crowd participation is just amazing because, of course, they got population, you know? And it's held at the Impact Challenger Convention Center. It's been there for many years. It's huge. It's divided into few halls. It's well run. It's well put together. Even down to FMB, it's fantastic. So, we went to the Time Auto Expo, got in there early in the morning, show is already crowded, you know, a lot of people there. But we decided to go boot by boot to check and see what is available. And the biggest noise, the biggest noise at the show were cars from China. Interesting. So we have a list of about seven cars and companies that you had a look at. And we're going to go through it one by one, Rich. Now, actually, actually, there were like 30 car companies there, but a lot of them... I, I did not emphasize simply because they are nothing new to show. Some of the more notable exhibits. And we want to find out if they're coming to Malaysia, actually. This is why we're doing this list of cars that Daniel has picked out here. The first one, okay. Great Wall Motors Aura Lightning Cat. They unveiled this slick electric sedan. We have the Aura Good Cat here, which looks like the Volkswagen Beetle, right? Right. And this Lightning Cat is a sedan. It's sold in Thailand as Aura 07 comes with a new battery, motor, and electronic control systems. Uh, it's got a maximum power of 300 kilowatts, uh, maximum torque of 680 newton meters, and does the 0 to 100 in 4.3 seconds. Okay, first of all, if you look at the side view in, in the picture I've, I've, I've shared, it looks like a Porsche Panamera. Yeah, actually, yeah. To me, it's 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 an immediate you know Porsche Panamera, slightly smaller, slightly narrower, but it's a Porsche Panamera. And it's funny because... The Aura Good Cat looks like a Volkswagen Beetle, you know, apart from it having four doors. And this is a Porsche Panamera and they both come from the same company because Volkswagen owns Porsche. So I think the next 
cars that we're going to see coming from Great Wall probably will look like an Audi or look like a Volkswagen Golf, you know, or, or something like that because they seem to be following the, the design idea of what Porsche and Volkswagen are doing. The the main thing about about this uh, Aura 07, Aura Lightning Cat is is equipped with 28 smart sensors. I think it's one of the most intelligent cars out there right now in the EV segment. Yes. it You know, these cars that are coming in from China have got so much tech in it, so much features. Half the time, I'm even lost. You know, like 12 ultrasonic radars. Why do you need 12 ultrasonic radars? Um, you know, these are things that they need. And 3D facial recognition camera, you know, for the cabin, ultraviolet sterilization system. You know, it can kill influenza, viruses, mites, hepatitis B. You know, all this I think is great, but we're putting so much tech into these cars. Yet, yet, the price is below 200,000 ringgit. Wow. You know? So, if you can give this kind of price, and you look at the car, it's a sizable vehicle. It looks great. It's got a you know automatic rear ducktail also, just like in the Porsche Panamera. As you build up speed, you know the ducktail will come out to keep the speed down, keep your rear end down. All these means that this car is is almost as good as what the Europeans can deliver. We don't know about warranty and after sales yet. Of course, they promise a lot, but at this kind of price, it's going to be very very difficult for our European traditional car manufacturers stay in competition. It's definitely a good-looking vehicle. Mm. Now that we have the good cat here, what are our chances of getting this car in Malaysia? Now, the fact that I've highlighted the car and the and fact that this is one of the seven that I've taken the trouble to actually write up on, it's coming. Whoa, really? It's coming to Malaysia. The next six cars are also coming to Malaysia, matter of when, but five of them will come, including this car, five of them will come in the next six months. Ooh, awesome. Nissan also showcased this compact SUV that they've been selling in Thailand. It's called the right. Kicks e-Power. And uh, in fact, you know, Nissan being a Japanese company, but Thailand is the first country to produce uh, the e-Power technology. They launched it in January 2020, and it is SUV that's built at the Nissan factory in Samut Prakan, which is just outside Bangkok. What right. about uh, the Nissan Kicks e-Power, Daniel? Okay, the Kicks e-Power is um, a compact crossover. A direct competitor would be the Mazda CX-3. The Honda HRV in that size. Of course, the Proton X50, which will be much cheaper. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, Tanchong, of course, recently they came out with a report. They're not doing too well. They didn't make enough money as they used to. You know, they didn't make as much as they used to because they don't have much new models coming in. Now, a lot of complaints came in and said, why didn't they bring in the Kicks e-Power? Because that will be uh, a great addition to our crossover market. Mm. Now, for Tanchong, of course, this vehicle is built in Thailand, so they get a special after deal and all that. But Tanchong has a huge factory here in Sagambut. So I think they were all already thinking about, you know, local assembly, uh, maybe trying to get more local vendors involved because they also are vendors to bring the cost down. If you look at the pricing of this vehicle in Thailand, it's not that attractive because of the technology involved in this vehicle. So I'll give you an example. There are four variants available in Thailand. A 1.2S which starts at um, in Malaysian money about 118,000. That's already in the Honda HRV territory. Then you got the E version, which is about 126. You've gone above already. Then you got the V version, which is 132. Then you got the high spec VL, that is 139. So at this price point, it'll be very difficult for them to compete directly, simply because A, they're going to be local assembled. Secondly, it's already three years old. Mm. But no one is thinking about the fuel saving, the technology. And, you know, Nissan over the years has sort of lost its sparkle in Malaysia. You know, it's, I mean, it's a 1.2-litre car, so you'll be saving on Rotex because your Rotex will be low. 
Okay, it's a three-cylinder engine. It's got 129 PS. It's got 260 Newton meters of torque because it's, it's got the, the battery system working for it. But even with all that going for it, it's going to be a difficult sell. So whether it's coming to Malaysia as a Thai-made vehicle or will it be local assembled uh, by Tan Chong in Sagambut, I don't know yet. So far, Nissan's SUVs in the country are only the X-Trail, right? Only the X-Trail. And that X-Trail is already a dated model because the revised model came out two years ago, the, the facelift. And then a brand new model is already out in Japan. And that's already going to be launched in Singapore very soon. So they're a bit late to the market. Volvo as well uh, participated at the Thai Motor Expo. Volvo unveiled the EX30 and this is another electric SUV designed to have the lowest carbon footprint of any Volvo car to date, Daniel. Right. And this is a direct competitor to the Nissan Kicks and also Honda HRV and all the rest because why it's in the same size segment. It's a crossover. And it's a full electric vehicle because why Volvo has already said we're only going to come out with electric vehicles. But here is the weird thing. Before I go into the specs and everything else, here's the weird thing. Volvo regional office is based in Malaysia. So why was this wonderful little vehicle unveiled in Thailand before Malaysia? Why? Come on, this is a rhetorical question or you actually have an answer. Don't leave us hanging like this. Come on. Well, I actually spoke to someone in, in Volvo Malaysia and asked the question. And there was, a, there was a silence also. Okay, okay, okay. Now, I think, you know, Volvo is doing very well in Thailand. It's a bigger market. Consumer base is bigger. Their currency is great right now. I mean, I, I went there and I was suffering to order my Pad Thai and my, you know, chili fried rice. Yeah, and everything else yeah. because It was just 30% more expensive, you know. But apart from all that, I think the consumer market there has got more disposable income. And especially with their simple tax system now for, for electric cars, you see electric cars on the road everywhere. You know, everywhere mm-hmm. you go in Bangkok, you see them. So the, the take-up rate is also faster and longer. So this is why I think Volvo has unveiled it first in Bangkok at the Thai Motor Expo to get a lot of traction. And then I think very soon after, it'll come to Malaysia. Right now, we have the latest by Volvo in this country is the C40 electric, right? Yes, and that is slightly larger than this. Okay. To me, this looks a lot more attractive. But remember this, this is a smaller vehicle. Now, it comes uh, with a 428 horsepower powertrain. It goes from 0 to 100 in 3.6 seconds, which means it's faster than most of the Volvo performance sedans. You know what I mean? And you've got a driving range of 480 kilometers with the battery system. So it's, mm. a, it's a great little product. Now, in terms of price, when I did the conversion, it's about 190,000 ringgit in Thailand. So that means it'll be around that same price here. At that price, I think Volvo will be nudging the Chinese car manufacturers very strongly and saying, hey, I'm back in the game, you know? Right, and this model, the EX30 has a, a, a new generation park pilot assist feature. So it can help you right. park your car, Rich, like in any situations. Perfect. Get out of the car and let it drive around for a little while, you know. Oh, I found you one. No. Um, no. You still have to sit in the car. <laughs> but I know, I know. Places like KL, this would be ideal, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, if only you can get into those uh, multi-story car parks sometimes, you know, we uh, a little bit um, yeah. to an angle. How will it navigate that? But I'm sure it can mm-hmm. with radars all around the car and cameras and everything, right? Ah, it's very a, cool, very yeah. cool. So the next car is quite interesting because uh, it's an Ineos pickup truck. Rich will probably know this. Ineos is basically owned by a chemical company owner in UK. Yeah. He basically went, I want a spiritual successor to the Land Rover Defender and then built one. 
Yes. Ah, so okay. when the original defender was retired, he was very upset. Yeah. So he said, "I've got loads of money, you know. So I, I want to buy over the company, but the company was not for sale. The plans for the vehicle was not for sale. So he said, okay, can I get, you know, like, like, can I be allowed to revive it, to bring it back to life? So he worked a deal with Jaguar Land Rover, and they, you know, I think at that point they said, hey, these cars are lama. Who wants to buy? You know what I mean? Mm. But mm. he has revived it. First, he revived the wagon version, which is a proper five-seater uh, Defender, like a Defender 110, and that was doing very well in Europe." But he uses a BMW drivetrain and BMW switch gear on the interior of the vehicle. Underneath is all BMW. They have unveiled um, an Ineos Grenadier Quartermaster pickup truck. This is a yes. dual cabin pickup truck, powered by a BMW three-liter turbocharged inline-six engine with eight-speed automatic transmission. Daniel, what else have you uh, have you seen and know about this Ineos uh, pickup? Well, they've started deliveries in Australia and also New Zealand. I think Malaysia is just about a matter of time, but there's no official word on who is going to bring it in here. I met someone uh, last year who was very interested in bringing the brand here. He had gone to Miti to do the application and everything else. When I did a follow-up check with him, the problem is he said this is going to be very costly because the brand itself they are not a mass car manufacturer. It's almost like you know, like Marcos GT. You know, yeah, it's like know? a boutique thing, right? Yeah. So you know, when when you like Caterham and all, you know, you mm-hmm. you can't make them so cheap because you, you don't have mass production, and then you're taking the engine from BMW, so you have to pay BMW quite a bit of money also, you know. And then the warranty, you can't give a huge factory warranty because why? You're not actually the factory for the engine, right? Right. Mm. It's a back to back with the with the provider. So when you consider all this, I haven't got a price yet, but. I'm thinking it's going to be around three hundred thousand ringgit, and at three hundred thousand ringgit, a lot of people say I might as well just buy a Ford Raptor. You know, lovely interiors though. If you can see the photos, there. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's a very interesting vehicle because it's got a lot of BMW Swiss gear inside. It's 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 very retro looking still, but you know, at that price, there are so many other considerations. I mean, you could buy an old school uh, Defender, completely soup it up, make it look fantastic, and still have get it for less than three hundred thousand. Yes, or you can go to UK and go to one of these uh, Defender uh, rebuilders. You know, you know, Khan K H N. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're in, uh, I think, I think in Coventry. You can go to them and they'll spec it, with, you know, with a V eight engine or a V six engine or a two liter twin turbo, and then the interior is like a. The interior is like a like a Range Rover, you know, like the James Bond version. Anyway, exactly. On that note, we better wrap up for this uh, section. We'll be back, of course, in just a few minutes, where Daniel has some more stuff that he's seen: uh, a Mazda CX-3, uh, some Jaguar stuff. Tesla makes an appearance as well today. Interesting. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM eighty-nine point nine, the business station. FM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control, part two of Daniel's Sojourn over at the High Motor Expo into part two. If you're just joining us, uh, we had a whole, whole bunch of stuff earlier on. We were speaking about the Ineos pickup truck. We spoke about the Volvo EX30, Nissan Kicks, e-power, and of course, the GWM Aura 07. What is lined up for part two then? What have we got? We got the MG4X Power. Ah, MG. MG is Morris Garage. Yes. Okay. Many years ago, sadly, in UK, this iconic brand went belly up. Now, when they went belly up, company from China bought them over. They even bought 
some of the factory, when I say some of the factory, I'm talking about brick and mortar, and had it shipped all the way to China because they wanted that whole iconic nature and everything else. After a little bit of history of this, let's understand this. MG was not successful under the Chinese owners for the first few years. Okay? Then, they improved and they improved and they improved and now they have electric cars. Now, with electric cars, they've gone back to selling them in the UK. They've got right-hand drive cars. They've already introduced them in uh, some parts of Asia. Uh, Singapore, they just won an award for the best electric car for its segment. Right now in Thailand, it, it's also already won two awards, Car of the Year and another award. This MG4X Power is about the size of, um, I would say, um, a Honda Civic hatchback, you know? Uh-huh. Okay, Ford Focus, you know, that kind of size. Mm-hmm. Interior quality, top-notch, battery power, speed. It's got everything that a hot hatch will have. Let me give you an example. 0 to 100 acceleration, 3.8 seconds. Oof. 435 horsepower. Now, when I saw it at, at the Thai Motor Expo, I was not shocked because it's already on the Thai roads. You already see them driving around. People are already buying them and driving them around. But at the Moto Expo, they, they had that and another vehicle, which we're going to share right now from MG also. But this vehicle stood out in the crowd because it's a very attractive vehicle, as you can see from the pictures. Yeah. The build quality on the inside, in my opinion, is on par with the Europeans. Wow. Touch, feel points and everything else. And it's a China-made car, you know, because MG is now owned by a Chinese company. Now, all this, less than 170,000 ringgit. Huh. So the X-Power did very well. And it's doing very well in Thailand. So now, it's been spotted in Malaysia on test. That means what? MG is coming back into our markets? MG is coming back into our markets. We actually got one of our friends actually took a picture of the car, sent it to us. The same day, we saw the same car testing around Federal Highway with trade plates. And it's not even covered. It's not even camouflaged. It just put some trade plates in it and they're driving around. And we know who the dealer is because we checked with them and they confirmed yes. But we cannot reveal anything right now. So if you go to DSF and you any of you type in MG4X Power, you might get a hint of who the new dealer is. But the car is coming in and it's coming in very, very soon. Ah. Now, on the same stand was the MG Cybersteer, which Ali is quite in love with. Yeah. Now, this is a supercar. Mm. Now, this is not a car that is ready for sale. This is still a concept, but it's what they, what they call a final concept. This car is already ready to be rolled out of the factory for sale. And, you know, this is the shape of MG cars that I last remember in this country. Two doors. Roadsters. Yeah, never seen them in, in, in a bigger form. But this is also an EV, I, I take it? 100% EV because MG transitioned from petrol cars to hybrid cars, which they didn't do too well. And then when they went to full electric, boom, sales were just... Booming away, you know. So the Cybersteer is full electric. It's got some amazing figures. Uh, they've got a few variants. Now, what they showed on the stand, if you look at the vehicle, uh, especially like we went close up, it's it's production ready. You know, there's nothing there that seems out of place or something that's too unique to not go into production. Even the scissor doors that, that fold upwards, I mean, a lot of new cars are coming out with this kind of doors. The only problem that I foresee is if you go into a low car park, you know, with a low roof, yeah. how are you going to open these doors? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. it, it, could be, it could be the doors are still in concept form, but everything else, I think it's ready to go. Amazing looking car. A lot of attention. I had to wait easily 30 to 35 minutes for the crowd 
to be in control so that I could get a clear picture of the car. Wow, it's popular. But it's a left-hand drive though, Daniel. Because it's a concept and it's coming from China. As you know, China is a, it's a left-hand drive market. So concepts will always be left-hand drive. Only once they start production, then of course the right-hand drive will come very quickly. MG is back, baby. MG is back. Yes. So these are some of the cars which I saw at the Time Motor Expo. These are the cars which I think, I'm quite sure, I do believe, it's no longer a guesstimate, will be coming to Malaysia in the next few months or at least before the end of 2024 when the free EV car tax has been announced. Mm-hmm. Nice. Let's move on. So local launches. Now Mazda has updated the Mazda CX-3 in Malaysia. This CX-3 is still built in Thailand, right? Yes. So, it's a nice little crossover. It still has got a very friendly shape. But they've upgraded it a little bit. I think because, you know why, there's no new model coming yet. So, the spec change is upgraded a bit. You still get a five-year warranty. You still get a a manufacturer's warranty. Uh, The prices, not too bad. The 1.5 is 115,000. The 2-litre plus is 126,000. And the CX-3 2-litre high-spec, it's 139,000. Add another 2,000 ringgit and you get a sunroof. Now, I do believe some people in in uh, in your office is driving the earlier model of the CX-3. And I'm sure if you speak to them, they love it. They still love their cars. There's no problem. There's no issue. Um, owners never complain about this car. And it still has uh, fitted with the same Skyactiv-G engine. Yes. And then, you, you know, you got Apple CarPlay. you got six airbags. you got iActiveSense, um, blind spot monitoring. It, it, you know, you've got everything that you need in a car in this this uh, segment. Uh, the 1.5 engine might not be the most exciting engine. 114 horsepower, 149 newton meters, but it's fuel efficient. Mm. It gets you around. It's a commuter car. Now, the 2-litre, of course, is more powerful at 154 horsepower and 206 newton meters. If you need more power, just buy it and then, you know, add another 2,000 ringgit and you get sunroof. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Yeah, and another car in the local market is um, the Jaguar I-Pace Stealth Pack. And this was announced by Jaguar Land Rover Malaysia, uh, introducing the Stealth Pack, which is a, just an aesthetic enhancement. We had the I-Pace launch locally earlier this year, but now they've come with a slightly new front grille, some little cosmetic changes, Daniel. Yeah, just small cosmetic changes. The price has moved up um, by 12,000 ringgit. Um, so you get the car from 460,000. This is a full electric car, of course, uh, right up to 498,000. So people will ask you, okay, where does the I-Pace fit in the in the electric car space? So I would say it's, you know, in the same group as the Audi e-tron, the Porsche Taycan. Um, it might not be as fast in terms of acceleration. It might not be as exclusive as the Taycan, but mm. it's about there. And, you know, it's almost 200,000 ringgit less, you know? So it could be something to think about. I know you don't see a lot on the roads because, you know, over the years, Jaguar has not been a brand that everybody embraces so openly like Mercedes or BMW or Audi or Porsche. But they're going for commitment of all electric very soon. So this is just the first of many to come. Interesting. Okay, last piece of uh, launch in the global world. Uh, Richard, we were talking about this. News about the Tesla Cybertruck, uh, which has finally been unveiled in the US. What do we know about this? Well, we know it's ugly. <laughs> That's subjective. Well, it looks too weird to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. It there, stands there is, out. It stands out. I mean, no matter... There is nothing like it on the road. Exactly. Nothing like it on the road. It's either you hate it or you love it. I can understand a lot of people loving it, you know, the sharp edges, the shiny mm-hmm. bits and everything else. But for me, I think it's just, you know... It, it, Cabin room doesn't make sense, you know. When was it revealed originally? Was it 
about three years ago, was it? Three or four years ago? It was before like COVID. That. It was before COVID. Okay, so I think back then when it was revealed, it would have been like, wow, this looks great. But since then, we've had this movement towards the, the kind of more aesthetically pleasing uh, vehicles. Correct. And this one now looks a little bit, dare I say, dated almost. Well, you know, I think for certain people, if you really want to stand out in the car park or at a meeting or on the road, this is what you buy. If you got Manila, yeah. of course, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can understand a lot of people lining up right now to buy this. Forget about it being an EV or, you know, it's got a weird look or whatever. They just want to stand out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's so big. How many places can you park it? This is true. Yeah. You know, it's like a Hummer. There's, so, there's only so many places you can park it. Mm. And even when you want to squeeze into traffic, like, you know, curbside parking, like say, for example, where you live, Richard, it's mm. going to be difficult to even curbside park. Yeah. yeah. And even if you find a parking space, how are you going to get in? Because you'll be too wide. Mm. Mm. Unless you take one and a half spaces, you know? Yeah. Then you need to open the doors. I'll confess, I do like it. But it, it it's reminiscent of, and it doesn't look like one, but it, it reminds me of the DeLorean, you know? And that's simply because... You're so right. You're so right, yes. It's simply because it's stainless steel, you know? Yes, yes. That, that's why for me, I'm like, I look at it and that's the kind of vibe I get from it. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll sell well. It's got, it's got fantastic uh, driving range, a huge battery... It's got so many control systems and all that. But, you know, I think there will be enough buyers to keep the business going. But, you know, after a while, it's sort of taper off. Because look at the Hummer. Yeah. When it, when it first came to Malaysia, the models that came in came in from South Africa because they were right-hand drive. It came in from the South African market. 500 and something thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Initially, there was a huge take-up rate. And who were buying them? Tauke Durian, Tauke Bala, and all this. Because why? You're taking it off-road. You're really taking it you know, beyond beyond uh, the tarmac. But when they take it on the tarmac, they can't park it. They yeah. can't go to a mall. They can't even give it to a car jockey because the car jockey can't fit it anywhere. And yeah. our roads are not built for these vehicles. Mm-hmm. So where do you see these Hummers today? That's true. It's very difficult to spot them. Now, the same thing applies to the current Ford Raptor. Yeah. It's a beautiful vehicle. It's an amazing truck. But I test drove it and there were so many places that I, could, I just couldn't go. I couldn't go into a mall car park. It's just a giant. It's a giant and then with extended wheels. Now, when I went into a normal curbside car park, I was sticking out. Yeah. Again, you know, how am I going to open the door? You know, these vehicles only apply to certain parts of the country, certain mm. uh, landscape. But if you really want to use it day to day, it's not going to be easy. It's certainly got some very interesting design choices, though. I mean, yeah. not just the shape, but the fact that it has no door handles, for one, mm. which is something mm. I found really weird. Uh, but, you know, it, it has its uses. I can see a lot of people in the city buying these cars and then suddenly realizing I can't go to my favorite hairdresser, I can't go to my favorite restaurant. Um, there's a lot of places I can't go. Okay, okay. if I say, oh, I can go and play golf, you know, because I can put 20 golf bags at the back. Yes, but, you know, when you get into the golf club, you actually have to take two spaces side by side. So that means you've got to go to the furthest point to park the car and then you've got to take a long walk with your, with your, with your golf bag. See, then people get irritated and say, mm, ah, I can't bring this here, you know? So it's it's a it's an eye opener. It's a, it's a attention grabber. But you know, is it practical? That's the thing. All right. Well, let's wrap up this segment, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Of course, we do have a final discussion. Though we're going to be wrapping up with Gemini batteries doubling the driving range of the BMW i6. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control here on BFM eighty nine point nine.
BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. We're into part three, of course. We've had our visits to the Thai Motor Expo, and we've been through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, one of the things we spoke about was, as usual, lots of electric vehicles, of course. Now, Gemini batteries. Apparently, uh, they are doubling the driving range of the BMW i6. Uh, of course, range is one of those big issues that a lot of people talk about, and it worries a lot of people. Daniel, tell us more. Well, I was surprised to read about this because I, I did not hear about this prior to this. Okay, maybe because I'm not in tune with what's going on in the electric car world as much as other people, you know? Mm. But when the news came out, I was very surprised and I kept reading uh, news articles and I kept referring back to BMW uh, website to get more information. So here's this company, you know, it's a it's a, it's a startup from uh, US uh, called uh, Our Next Energy Inc. One. Um, so they've come up with this battery called Gemini and it uses... Pure rare elements. Now, the fact that it uses pure rare elements means, you know, mining is less, production is less, everything is less, uh, you know, spoiling our earth with, with excavators is less. So, I'm very happy for that, okay? Mm-hmm. The next thing is, um, it gives better driving range, almost double, you know? Huh. That's what they say, you know? But yeah. again, this is something very new. So, when something comes out very new… I always ask the question, how long have you tested it? You couldn't have tested it over four, five, six, seven years because it just happened over the next one year, last one year, right? So I'm thinking, you know, they, they claim, but will it happen? You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Got yep. Yep. Now, in the past few months, I've been I've been lucky enough to travel to China with a few of the electric car brands to see their um, you know, um next generation batteries and vehicles and everything else. And both of them also promise new new generation batteries which are smaller and lighter using less materials and alternative kind of materials just like the Gemini battery and claiming also a 1,000 kilometer driving range. So what I think is is happening now is all these new guys are just coming up and saying let's use the 1,000 mark, you know? So by doing that, you're, you're, you know, you're just fighting with the next guy that says 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. Now, I think it's too easy to just use that word 1,000. Why can't you use the word like 950, 980, 920? 1,000 sounds great because it's four numbers, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it says that I'm, I'm, I'm leading the cause. I'm, I'm ahead of the cause, you know? Mm. So I hope they'll be able to do it. Also, the fact that BMW is a very reputable car manufacturer and they, they, they never skirt far from the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. In terms of things like this. So it's all good news for electric car buyers. Now, I want to come back to what I said some months back. You know, someone asked me, would you buy an electric car? I said, you know, electric cars are great, but I still like my ice cars. And then some people who listened to the show went on social media and said, hey, you know, buddy, you should be promoting electric cars and all that. It's not that I'm not promoting electric cars. If you see technology like this evolving every few months, just like how when I came back from China, I said, you know, if those cars can actually give me a thousand kilometers and cost less than 250,000, I might be itchy enough to buy one, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, if another guy comes and tells me, now I can hit 1,200 kilometers and I can give you a car for less than 200,000, I'll be even more itchy. <laughs> so the problem now is, if now you have 10,000 Malaysians who are driving electric cars, for example, by end of the next year, right? Yeah. You have 10,000 Malaysians driving electric cars, they're all using the older batteries, which have 400 kilometer range, 500 kilometer range, X amount of charging time and everything else. And then this new battery suddenly, boom, appear. And they're cheaper and they're better and they're longer range. Before I say this, please, sir, don't sue me and please, people don't get angry on social media. What is going to happen to the used values of older electric cars? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because suddenly people will say, hey, you know, last time electric car X cost 250,000 and it can go 500 kilometers. Now I can get electric car Y, which will be 199,000 and can go 1,000 kilometers. So whoever buys the electric car that was going only 500 kilometers, that value today is maybe 80,000, 70,000, 60,000, 50,000. Hmm. So what are we going to be left with? We're going to be left with used cars that are not going anywhere. What are they going to be doing with them? Huh? Yes. So my worry is, why are people rushing out and producing these electric cars when the technology has not matured? You know, battery tech has not matured enough for them to say, okay, now the benchmark has been set. 800 to 1,002, and that means you get a car costing, say, 200,000 ringgit or so. doesn't matter whether it's from China, America, Europe, or whatever. Then it makes sense, okay, let's invest in electric car, let's invest in everything else. So yes, early adopters will say, oh, if we don't do it, who's going to do it and all that. But what is going to happen to the used car market? That's all I'm saying, for electric cars. Can I have an opinion? Am I please, please, on? please. Okay. please. Um, if we look back historically at the development of ICE cars, for example, okay. Was it not the same with them back in the day, though? True. When you had single-cam engines and twin-cam engines and turbocharged engines. Yeah. yeah. Okay? But at oh, some really? point, you could buy and retrofit these engines. That's could, true. You have creative mechanics who could say, like say now you're driving um, you're driving a BMW 2002Ti. Mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. classic two-seater BMW sedan. Yeah. And now you have brand new, you know, M-Power engines. You can shoehorn them in. Yeah. Or you can get even a 2-liter double Vanos engine and, and shoehorn them in into your 2002 Ti and do some modifications to the wiring and all that because the whole, um, the, the ecosystem has, has, has matured, you know, mm. with enough people who can do these things. I'm not saying everybody wants to do it, but it, the same thing applies to an old Japanese car. You buy an Nissan Sunny 120Y, you know, the square boxy one. And then maybe later on you say, oh, I want to put in a 1.5 engine, Nissan engine. It'll fit. It'll work. You can mm. you can retrofit the, the gearbox. Um, let's get closer to home. You get a 1.3 Proton Satria hatchback manual. And then you buy it now. And then, you know, you say, okay, I want to put in a 1.8 uh, Satria GTI engine, you know, or a Vira engine. It'll fit. It'll work. Mm, mm, mm. You know, you have to modify a bit of wiring and all that. But now with electric car, can I do the same thing with the batteries? Can I buy in a few years' time an old Tesla Model 3 and fit a new Gemini battery inside? Mm-hmm. This is what the technology people have not been able to, to, to answer me. You know, I said, if I can't do that, I have to go back and buy the old Tesla Model 3 battery and fit it in. The price has not come down because it's using all these rare earth metals, you know. Whereas the new Gemini battery is using cheaper materials and, and cheaper minerals. So, what is my option? Can I sell mm. it? Mm. Who wants to buy it? Can I scrap the car? Can I dis- disassemble it and sell it for parts? Mm. Mm. Maybe the body parts and all that. But then again, how much money am I losing? So, this whole electric car movement still does not make complete sense to me, in my opinion. No, I think, you're, you, I think you, you, you make valid points. Uh, and I think it's also worth noting, you know, when we look at stuff, we've had this discussion here, I think, before. Android versus Apple and yeah. how long it's taken for this whole movement in Europe and other uh, other places to have a single table for all, of these, yes. dev- for all of these devices. How long has that taken? 20-something years, right? 
Right. And and uh, back to handphones and, and laptops, can you swap the batteries? No, you cannot. You know, the manufacturers will not allow it. Mm. Mm. So, you know, you can throw away a phone, you can throw away a laptop. I've, I've thrown away three laptops. Battery kaput, everything kaput. You know, I plugged them in, they're not even running, you know? Yeah. Now, they were not even five years old. They were good brands, you know? But can I do that with an electric car costing 200,000 ringgit? With a laptop, 5,000 ringgit? We say, okay, like, it's, 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 it's part of the work process, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know? It's part of being, you know, employed and, and running a business and everything else. But with a car, can you throw away a $200,000 car? I don't think so. And it's too big to dump it, you know? Mm-hmm. More wastage is what we're yes, worried about. More wastage. So, on one hand, you're thinking about the environment, you're thinking about CO2 emissions and all that. Another hand, you're not thinking about what's going to happen 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years from now. Because they're saying, oh, we got to think about the future. The future is what I'm thinking about right now. Show me what you can do with all this right now. If you have a way to swap the batteries to the new generation batteries, by all means, I'll go and buy a second electric car. I'll buy a first generation Renault Zoe. Mm. Do you know? The first generation Nissan Leaf that came into Malaysia under Tan Chong, there's some of them lying in yards collecting dust because the battery is 60,000 ringgit. My word. My word. 60,000 ringgit. And it's, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's a Sanyo battery. Now, if there was a cheaper option or a lighter option, which I can you know plug and play, mm. then I can take the Nissan Leaf and start using it. But I can't. And the older Renault Zoe's, yes, their batteries are still working. But they got driving distance of maybe 70, 80 kilometers or maybe 100 kilometers, you know? Ali, I feel as though with, with Daniel's like, you know, he's on it today, right? Yeah, man. What would you do if, if you're in my shoes thinking about electric? No, car? no, no. I, 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 I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it, it's when you look at the amount of wastage we already have, you know, and we, we are having these discussions about how the more eventually, event, that's the word, right? Eventually, the right. more economical. Eventually, they'll save us. Uh, they'll help save the planet. Eventually, right. they'll do this. But getting there is an expensive, messy, unenvironmentally friendly mess. Correct. Um, you know, so it, it's, I, I suppose you're giving with one hand and you're taking with, a, with the other. Or right. it swings and it's roundabouts, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's, it's a difficult process. Just the fact that there are companies coming out and they are making these claims, though, I, I think shows that they're, and we know there's progress, you know, yes. towards distance and length and, and driving range and, and one thing or another. Because I think it was just two or three years ago we were talking about driving ranges of like 250 kilometers, Correct. 300 kilometers, and Correct. you know. And now we're at what? Possibly 900, 1,000 kilometers. It, that seems crazy to me. Yes. And you know, I, I've known two people who bought second-hand Renault Zoe's in the last couple of years. And both of them, after some time, sold the cars. They really wanted a cheap commuter electric car. But, you know, when you got less than 100 kilometers and you always have to keep a spare of 20 kilometers simply because you don't know when you're going to see the next charging station, yeah. that, that fear is mm. so high. Even though it's a city commuter car, the fear mm. is so high. Like, say now, I'm, I want to come to BFM. I'm mm. living in PJ. It's only 20 kilometers. Yeah. But I know I need to have at least 60 kilometers of, of driving distance to get there, look for parking, go around because Tamantun, you know. Yeah. And in between, I want to stop and have a tetare. And then suddenly yeah. there's traffic jam coming home. My aircon is turned on more. By the time I reach home, I don't know whether I'll have enough juice. Hmm. And it's just one, the, commute, one commute. In the car or in yourself? In myself. La. Ah, okay. On that note, we need to wrap up, eh? Okay. okay. Good conversation though, Daniel. Thanks for that. Thank um, you. 
folks. We have come to the end of the show. Of course, this has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. In three parts, what Daniel saw at the time, Motor Expo 2023, part one, part two. And of course, the discussion there about Gemini batteries doubling the driving range of the BMW iX. But not just that. A bigger, deeper, more philosophical question. You know, are we headed in the right direction in terms of battery tech? This has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.